Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Sephoication Conflagration. Here are your two amazing hosts, Nate Bradford and Stephen Ronquillo. Guys, take it away! <laughs> Hello, everybody. I hope you're having a good week so far, and... Well, we're going to really just get into the subject because it's a very big one. We've been talking about doing it, well, 80s films, and I was just thinking how the 80s... Oh, say hello, Nate. Oh, hello, Nate. (laughs) Sorry, I forgot to introduce Nate. I'm sorry, I'm a bad... Ah, well, my name's my name's in the opening uh, opening credits, so you know everyone knows I'm here. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's funny how the uh, '80s started out the action films, the slashers, the horror started out of these nasty, sleazy, grimy films. Even the studio action films always had that. Well, to quote Frank Kennelotter. A smell of, you could smell the piss coming off the screen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the 42nd Street sleaze, yeah, right? Yeah, or even the studio sleaze. Uh, and what's funny is we got to go back to the 70s to really show how the 80s started. Like, uh, Death Wish came out in 1975 and is considered the prototype of the 80s vigilante film but for some damn reason they it really didn't you really didn't start seeing the knockoffs until 1980 right yeah so what do you think was the first death wish knockoff which what which one would you say was the first death uh, wish knockoff we got miss 45 that yeah. was around oh. 78 or 80 but that's Abel Ferrara, and he's his own level of insanity. Yeah, yeah. for sure, for sure. I, I I love his I love his movies, but yeah, he's on a whole different level of insanity. But I love Miss Forty Five. That and you're right. That is that is very much a. I I guess I never really put the two together, but yeah, Death Wish and Miss Forty Five are definitely in the same wheelhouse. Uh, obviously, I mean they're rape revenge films, but. Uh, I guess I never really thought about it. You know, it, it, that would kind of lean into like I spit on your grave. You know, with uh, you know, uh, and that one came I, out I in guess, 1980. Why? Yeah, because they released it in 1977 as Day of the Woman, and it horribly flopped. Got yeah. horrid reviews, and then it came out in 1980 as I spit on your grave and was just a big hit. Yeah. I guess, I guess, uh, so Miss 45 and, and I spit on your grave would be, uh, would be kind of like sister films. I think, uh, if we're looking at another movie along the lines of, uh, of death wish, uh, not necessarily as over the top, but hardcore, uh, uh, yeah, hardcore. That one yeah, was hardcore. That was yeah. one of the first of that really small 
what I call 80s deuce genre, where where they were letting the deuce look as sleazy as they could because when they went in to take away, you know, raise it in about 84, 85, it's like they wanted all this publicity saying, we're the righteous people. We're getting rid of this sleazy, nasty district. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. But hardcore is a nasty one. Uh, let's see. Vigilante. Uh, fighting back. Uh, what about uh, Rolling Thunder? Those yeah, are Rolling some of those. Thunder like... was uh, 78, but that is its own crazy little beast. I love it. Yeah. That one goes yeah. into the non category. Right. Yeah. But I do love that one, especially that part where uh, Tommy Lee Jones is just sat, sitting, standing there. He's like, I found the men that got my son. And he's like, let me get my guns. packing up like shotguns and all that (laughs) right (laughs) Uh, uh, hmm. yeah I mean it's like you got that in action films you know the small man fighting back against the big system that one uh, uh, fighting back that's the one with Tom Skerritt with the weird ending where he kills the bad guy, but then he runs for public office and gets voted in at the last of it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, I forgot all about that movie. I haven't seen that in, like, 20 years, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a, that, that is a crazy flick. Yeah. And to go back to Dirty Harry, we went from the Dirty Harry-style cop was well, if you watch the first film, he is considered sort of a borderline psycho and just the ruthless killer of the bad guys. He killed the wrong people pretty much why he wasn't in jail. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then we got yeah. to the 80s and then the guys like him were the hero because the lawyers and the would not let the justice prevail. Yeah. Yeah, the uh yeah, the, the that was the uh the system's the system's not right, man. I'm the system now type of character. Yeah, that was a part of Boiler on the ending. Uh it turns out that at the end of that one the corrupt judge that lets the people lets the guys off and kills his wife and kid, he kills the judge with a bomb. <laughs> That's where we were in the ni- in 1980, where this guy could psych, you know, kill the judge, and we're like, yeah, <laughs> right. Well, yeah, and this you know, is before the Reagan's America stuff kicked in, <laughs> right? Uh, well, it's like I said, like, uh when Abby and I were watching Predator last night, it got me thinking about so many other 80s movies that are just over-the-top ridiculous when it comes to that type of stuff. Uh, you know, uh, Lethal Weapon. 
is a perfect example. Oh of God, like yeah, that 80... one we could really get into, like how the we'll get into <laughs> that a little later, but yeah. But now yeah, yeah. going on with the eighty, we got the sleaziest slasher of them all. I can remember when that came out. I warned you not to go home tonight. <laughs> you sit a maniac. Yes. Oh, uh, maniac so, is it? Yeah, that one's yeah. so sleazy you can smell the sweat on uh, Joe Spinell the whole time while you're watching it. <laughs> yeah, the, the funny thing about about Joe Spinell is every movie that he's in, he just always looks sweaty and gross. So I don't know if yeah. that's like his actual. I don't. I don't know if that's his actual personality or you know if it's just uh, you know his brand. But uh, yeah, Maniac is a great movie. Not the, the remake. The remake isn't bad. Uh, the remake isn't bad, but the original one is just an amazing piece of sleaze cinema. If, if you've never seen it, you've got to see it. Like, Oh my gosh, that, yeah, that, that movie is so ass today. Yeah. Yeah. And we also got, uh, uh, 1980s really when the slasher boom started, that goes back to like 78 with Halloween. And then 1980, which this film is like out in the woods and really in the boonies. And that Friday the 13th. Yeah. I I think we talked about this before because I'm sitting in my office right now and I have a gigantic Friday the 13th poster in my office hanging right over my desk. But, I love yeah, that movie, I mean, man. Really look at Friday the 13th and how real the people acted, how... Human they were, two part six, where it was comedy. Everybody had perfectly quaffed 80s hairdos and clothes. Yeah, the first movie was, the first movie, I think, was a success because it felt, it felt like a, like it was really happening. You know, you could, you knew people like that. I mean, we all, I, I don't know, at least I went to summer camp. You know, when I was a mm. kid. So, so, you know, and that's what the summer camp counselors were like back then. Of course, we're similar in age. So, yeah. you know, it was the eight, it was the eighties when I went to summer camp. So that movie really impacted me, uh, because, you know, uh, it, it, it was, it was of the era, uh, kids would play pranks on each other. Friday the 13th was so popular when I went to summer camp that kids would run around the campgrounds with a hockey mask on, you know? Yeah, but that didn't go until part three. That's what most people like. Oh, they watched the first Friday the 13th and then ran around with a hockey mask. I'm like, why? Jason didn't show up in the hockey mask until part three. <laughs> nope, part three. Yeah, I know. Oh, but I, if you want to get to all the pranks or something, you got to get really the sleaziest or the early 80s slashers next to Maniac. Number two would be Sleepaway Camp. Oh, yeah. Oh, dude. I, I have Sleepaway Camp on DVD, Blu-ray, VHS. I love that movie, man. <laughs> I, I love Sleepaway Camp. <laughs> 
I mean, with all the pranks and stuff, that was really how the kids acted at camp. Not the slasher murders, just the whole things like uh, where he did the pull up and then he took his face and went in someone's butt and uh, whipped cream pie stuff. Yep. Uh, it it's it's like the horror movie version of Meatballs. Uh, oh yeah! Remember all the pr- all, all all the pranks that they pull on the uh, on the camp counselor in Meatballs. <laughs> oh, that guy! Yeah, at the end of the movie, they had his at the end of Meatballs where they had his bed onto uh, a raft and he was yeah, floating they- down the river. <laughs> yeah, they put him on a raft. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, that one's pretty. Hmm. All of the teen movies like that. That one's pretty much forgotten, and I don't know why. Yeah, I don't know either. Especially since, uh, I mean, Bill Murray was a really big star that when that movie That was the movie, movie that came, made him a out. big star. Yeah, that was Bill yeah, Murray's he, first leading movie. Yeah, he was already on Saturday Night Live, and I think. Uh, he did. Did Bill Murray come from the Second City? Is that where he started? Yeah, he went from. He was in the Second City. Then he was on the National Lampoon radio show, and then he went from Friday oh. Night Live to Meatballs. And oh, I didn't realize that. I, I, as much as I've read and seen about National Lampoon, I didn't. I don't think I ever remembered that Bill. I guess. I mean. I know that he was in Caddyshack and uh which yeah. I think was a, was Caddyshack was a National Lampoon movie, right? That was No, that was its own thing. That was a movie designed to be a vehicle for uh Rodney Dangerfield. Oh, well, yeah, okay. Yeah, I can see that, yeah. Yeah, uh, after what... his first film which was Easy Money, which is a good funny movie. But God, if you liked uh, Caddyshack, then you will watch the sleaziness that is easy money. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Yeah. yeah, we didn't make our comedies dark in the late eighty, early eighties, but we made them sleazy as hell. Like uh, going yeah. back to the first vacation. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we got to see yep. R-rated movies back then. We snuck into them. <laughs> <laughs> or the theater just didn't give a damn. They're like, you got the money for the ticket? Yeah. Okay, go on in. Oh, you got a yeah, I don't... You, don't you? Yeah, go on in. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't think I ever had any trouble getting getting into an R-rated movie in my in my life. I think they always just they were just like whatever. But I mean, you know, I, you know, I, I lived in, well, it's funny because I lived in what were small towns when I was growing up in them, but now they're all big towns, you know, they're all cities now because, you know, they've, they've developed. But when I was growing up, it was just like, yeah, you could go to the movie theater, see an R rated movie when you were 12, you could go to the video store and rent, I spit on your grave when you were 13 like they didn't except for the x-rated stuff they didn't give a damn about anything yeah yeah 
Yeah, as yeah, as long as you weren't going for the X-rated stuff, they didn't care. Yeah, yeah. we didn't have no trouble. Like, I went to the movie theater. I'm gonna go see the Amityville Horror. You can't get in. It's our rating. Okay. Go to the video store. No, you can't rent it. Your parents didn't sign. Okay. Pull out your nope. cable guide. <laughs> it's on at 2 a.m. tonight at HBO. All right. <laughs> parents to go to bed. Now, you don't watch them R-rated movies now after we go to sleep. <laughs> we promise. <laughs> <laughs> My my parents were actually really permissive. Uh, yeah, my mom was too. a my my mom was a huge horror fan, and I I I've mentioned this before on on both the on both the podcast and on our uh, on our blog over on our massive. I've mentioned this. Uh, my my mom like I saw movies like I Spit on Your Grave and Solo and stuff like that way before I should have been seeing that stuff but my mom was a big horror and exploitation fan so she those those were the movies she would rent and I'd watch them you know yeah uh, I don't know I don't know if I fully can you know uh, understood them at that time in my life but I saw them at probably a much younger age than I should have you know yeah oh yeah like uh my mom and dad made the mistake because they were bored and it was Christmas and the t- there's nothing on TV. And the only thing that's playing in my local theater, one, the- one, si- one theater, theater was Animal House. And they hadn't really looked at it. And they're like, well, it can't be that bad. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I Actually... This is this is a funny this is a funny story about that because like I said my parents were really permissive about me watching I mean watching shit like Last House on the Left and and, and Nightmare on Elm Street when I was a kid they didn't care about that but we used to go to the drive-in theater and they'd have a double feature and usually the double feature uh where I grew up would be one horror movie and then one comedy film. I remember one time we went to a double feature that was Jaws and Animal House. So oh, nice. I watched I watched Jaws and then when Animal House came on, my mom was like, "You can go ahead and go to sleep now, baby. It's all, you know, it's all good. Me and dad are going to watch this this other movie." Like, so my mom didn't mind me watching Jaws. But she didn't want me to see the sexual, like, antics of Animal House, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it, it's, it's another thing. Like, uh, when I was growing up, uh, I, I think I've mentioned this before to you. Uh, the only, uh, when, I, when I started collecting cassette tapes, you know, when I was old yeah. enough to, to, to uh, the only cassette tape that my mother ever took away from me was a Cheech and Chong album. She didn't care that I was listening to, uh, you know, all this punk rock and heavy metal and even other comedy albums that I was buying, but she did not want me listening to Cheech and Chong. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't care about me watching Up in Smoke. They let me watch that when I was 10. That was one of the first movies they rented. (laughs) 
Right. And then they took, <laughs> and before that, they had took me to the theaters because there were nothing else on, and they wanted to see something funny. So we wouldn't see Cheech and Chong's next movie. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that was funny. That's another one that came out in the early 80s. If you watch Cheech and Chong's next movie today, you'll be confused because there's really no plot to the movie. It's just a series of silly shit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we it, liked it that way. You, We didn't care that there was no plot. It was just funny. Yeah, there. I mean, that I I kind of think, uh, you know, that, that that the Cheech and Chong movies kind of, you know, were interweaved with like Kentucky Fried movie or, uh, you know, like yeah, the, yeah, those early like that that seventies style of uh, of you know. Uh, what am I trying to say? You know, the, like like sketch com- the, sketch comedy yeah, the movies. Yeah, sketch comedy yeah. movie. Before, yeah. and you notice most of these sketch comedy movies came out before Saturday Night Live. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Yep. We yeah. still and had those lot- on the Midnight Circuit. Like the Kentucky Fried movie was still playing the Midnight Circuit over in Knoxville at the first of the eighties. Never got to see it, yeah. but I always wanted to. Yeah. Oh, I want to go see this one. No. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's see. Maniac was a big midnight movie here. Uh, Kentucky Fried movie, Dawn of the Dead, the double feature of Wizard of Gore, and uh, The Hills Have Eyes. That's the one I cry when I miss because I didn't realize how cool that would be until I'd seen the movies later. <laughs> oh, yeah. The Hills Rocky Have Eyes Horror, would be. Uh, yeah. Oh, Jesus. Harold they still do. Yeah. They still, they still, they still do. do Rocky Horror around here. Uh, like, oh, yeah. Rocky, Rocky Horror, Horror is still playing. Jesus Christ. It never ends around here. Like, they're within driving distance of our house there are five different movie theaters and every fucking halloween they all show rocky horror i and you know what i i i I mean unpopular opinion i know but i fucking hate the rocky horror picture show i i've i everyone assumes that i would enjoy it because it's campy and it's fun and it's funny and you know just based on my other interest in films people always think that i like rocky horror i fucking hate the rocky horror picture show (laughs) there's nothing wrong with that i mean i can understand because that one was the overplayed out one it became more about the audience screaming at the screen and stuff than the movie itself the movie got lost in the shuffle yeah and and i i don't think it's a bad movie you know this is this is one of those things that i've that i've discussed with you before uh you know i can i I can see the difference between a bad movie and a movie that i just don't enjoy i don't think rocky horror is a bad movie it's a great movie and i can see the appeal to the people who like it and i i can see you know the fun but i just don't like it and that you know that's that's always my philosophy about life in general it's like 
I'm glad there's enough stuff out there for everyone that we can like the things we like and dislike the things, but every, but everyone, everyone has something that they like, you know? Yeah. Uh, I would, I, I wouldn't like it if every single person in the world loved my favorite band and I couldn't get tickets to go see their concert because, you know, it would sell out immediately yeah. because everyone loved my, you know what I mean? I'm glad that there's enough stuff for everyone to enjoy, yeah. but Rocky Horror Picture Show, nope. It was don't, like, don't like uh, it. Uh, well, another one on the Midnight Circuit that's really not as sleazy as we thought it was back in the early 80s, and that's The Warriors. Great movie, but... Yeah, I love The Warriors. I Doesn't, yeah. uh, doesn't Walter Hill have a new movie coming out right now? Yeah, uh, he's starting to I film think, a new western. It was announced this week. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Uh, who 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 was in that? Um, uh, William Defoe and someone C- else. Christoph Waltz. Oh yeah, Christoph Waltz. Ooh, that might yeah. be good. <laughs> yeah, that's that's going to be a good one. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, the Warriors is one of those we heard all these stories who. There was a brawl broke out in the theaters. They pulled it from theaters for two weeks. Which story? In New York, two gangs got in a fight at the theater. So they uh, pulled the movie out of the theater for two weeks, created a new ad campaign, and then pretty much shuffled it into the midnight circuit where it was a major hit. Yeah. That's the same. I think that's kind of the same story of what happened with uh well i can't remember if it was colors or menace to society but you know those uh, colors those late, yeah yeah but then, colors. Uh, dennis hopper was stupid enough to actually put real gang names in it <laughs> right so yeah yeah, yeah. it so, was yeah. yeah colors the warriors yeah. is one of those that when it hit the Midnight Circuit, it was a big hit, and then it keep it kept going as it hit VHS. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's what really killed the Midnight Circuit is in 1982, VHS and all those sleazy movies that we wanted to see kept cut, went to VHS. And we could <laughs> see them easy. You mean I could go to a video store and rent basket case? Yay! Do you have a copy of Pink Flamingos? (laughs) Do you have a copy of Pink Flamingos back there? (laughs) But what was funny is people talk about how the 80s were all about the slasher boom, but they forget it was two years only. From about 1981 yeah, to 1982 was the major glut part. After that, it just there was two or three a year, but nothing like 80 and 82. I remember at the Pike, which is 81, there were like two or three a freaking week. Yeah. Crap like New Year's Evil. I mean, just some of the most horrible drag. But people would see it like prom night. That was a big hit, but it's a boring, boring movie. 
<laughs> yeah, it's funny. Yeah, that's a funny one that you bring up because I just I watched it again just a couple a couple months ago. I think uh, it showed up on one of my it showed up on one of my streaming services, and I hadn't seen it in a long time. And I watched it because, you know, I do love Jamie Lee Curtis. And, of course, she got her, you know, her, like, Halloween was, you know, I, that's obviously why she got, uh, got you know, a role in prom night. They were like, oh, yeah. she was so good in Halloween. Let's give her this one. But, man, you are right. Prom night is so fucking boring, man. <laughs> it is such No a, one gets killed a, for the first 45 or 50 minutes. And it's only yeah. like a 95-minute film. It seems longer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is slow and boring, man. Unless yeah. and you're I had... scared to death of somebody uh, pressing a pen, tapping a pencil on a notepad. Then you'll be terrified. <laughs> 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 oh God! Not the pencil on the not the Paper pencil on the notepad. <laughs> oh, another one that people love. I don't understand why, and that's Happy Birthday to Me. I I think <sighs> Happy Birthday to Me has some exciting. Uh, on-screen kills, but other than that, yeah, it's kind of a ridiculous... Five kills in the movie. It says five of the biggest kills there is. Yes, there is five great kills in the movie. But how long is the movie? (laughs) Yeah, 90 minutes. No, Uh, two hours and 15 minutes. Oh yeah, we talked about this before too. You're talking about like the the ultimate version of yeah. No, see when I the saw theatrical ha- version is two hours. Yeah. And 15 minutes. See, yeah. You and I have talked about this before because the only version of it that I ever saw was when I worked at the video store the the VHS version they had cut it down so that it was like a a normal normal length film. Yeah. We you and I talked about this a few weeks ago. Uh that yeah, yeah you you saw like a two hour and fifteen minute theatrical version. I've never seen that version. Oh God. Imagine about twenty minutes at between kills. Yeah. Yeah. Well like I said the only version I've ever seen is a is is the VHS version that was just cut down to ninety minutes. So yeah. to me, it just seemed like a to me it just seemed like a regular uh, you know slasher film. But also, yeah. even though the cutting all the extra footage out makes the movie uh, less intelligible, that doesn't with 80 slasher films, it doesn't always have to make sense. So I never questioned it. I, yeah. you know, you know, <laughs> I, I never knew about this two hour version until you, you and I talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, another, another good one was the burning, but we never got to see that uncut. That was the first film after really the MPE. AA caught a lot of shit for parents are complaining. Oh, Friday the Thirteenth and them—they're too bloody. How could you give that movie an R rating? 
The burning has some some of the <laughs> most deranged kills in it. It goes beyond Friday the 13th as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, if you got to see it uncut. <laughs> yeah. And we didn't well, until about 95, 96 when it started popping up on the gray market circuit. Oh, no. The gray market. Uh, every time you and I start talking about the gray market, I'm afraid the FBI is going to come knocking at my door. <laughs> yeah, but it took the gray market for the studios to realize they had something they could cash in and they used DVD. To- but yeah, the burning was uh, pretty much butchered. Friday the 13th, part two. I don't want people to say it's my favorite one, and that one, the MPAA was waiting for it. Was yeah, all bad. right. Yeah. Yeah, they, but, you know, it, it's funny. It's like, uh, and I think you and I have talked about this before, but, you know, it's funny how these like late, late 70s, early 80s uh, movies that the MPAA went after it's like you know and of course you and i have talked multiple times about the most disturbing horror films of all time yeah and 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 and, and something that shows up on the list all the time is texas chainsaw massacre and that is a disturbing movie but as far as the gore content is concerned there's not a lot of that there and they were shooting when we're talking... PG rating. <laughs> they shot every right? kill to make sure it got a PG rating, but the, they said there's no way that that movie is ever getting a PG. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I mean, yeah, I, I, I think agree with I, I think I, I think a lot of uh, I think a lot of what we think about nowadays when we think about more disturbing films. Uh, I think there's two sides to it. There's the psychological aspect of whether or not you think a film is disturbing. And then there's the visceral reaction to blood and gore, you know? So I think, I, I think there's two, two sides, you know, to what yeah, people well, consider we disturbing. Yeah, both because when Dawn of the Dead came out in 1979, that created the gore boom. And we would get just all sorts of gore films from Italy, Spain, and they would just shove them out over here, uncut. I have never oh, yeah. seen a cut print of any Fulci film except for maybe The Beyond. But that one came out in about 84, 85, and they cut it and called it Seven Doors of Death. And here's the funny part. They put... Toby Hooper and Ken Hinkle, creators of Detective Chainsaw <laughs> Massacre, says this is the scariest film they ever seen. And they never seen the damn thing. <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, I uh, mean, from 80 to 84, we got stuff like uh, Gates of Hell, City of the Living Dead, uh, just all of this uncut gore film. Yeah, and and Fulci, man, that that motherfucker did not skimp on the gore. Holy shit, man. Uh 
You yeah, mentioned the Beyond. Remember, yeah. I can remember in 1980, man, before you talk about the Beyond, and looking in the paper, and there was that rotted zombie, and it had, we are going to eat you. Woo! <laughs> yep. <laughs> no, uh, around, no, ain't no threat. We're going to get your ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I The thing I was going to say about the Beyond is it's actually – even with the the gore factor, it's actually one of his least goriest films. Uh, I, yeah. you know, I mean, the, I I think, yeah, the, so it's many of his other films. How the gore is like when Joe the Plumber's eye gets ripped out. It's like all of a sudden, hands just pop out of the wall out of nowhere. Right. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's see, uh, Cannibal, and then there was the Cannibal films, which people talk about, oh, Cannibal Apocalypse must have been horrible back then. No, it wasn't. We got a butchered R-rated version, and it wasn't even barely released. Yeah, the version of it that I have is on... Yeah, Cannibal Holocaust. I have it on VHS, but the version that I have is from, uh, you know, like I've said before, when I worked at the video store, whenever they put movies up for sale, I would take the the movies that I wanted and I grabbed a copy of Cannibal Holocaust. But the version I have is the butchered version. I've never seen the full full version. No. Yeah, I mean, it's funny the the worst of the darkest the worst one we didn't get it but we got an uncut cannibal ferox cannibal apocalypse was cut to an r rating but that one's just fun as is <laughs> piss on it okay yeah <laughs> piss on it <laughs> the cops got mad at margarita over that you know why because that no. actually did work on the tear. actually works when they shoot like one of the old school tear gas canisters. <laughs> <laughs> if you piss on the end of it, the smoke goes away. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we got, let's see, City of the Walking Dead, just all sorts. And if a slasher film knew it could make its money back, they wouldn't even, even if they got an X, they wouldn't even do it. They would be like, you have an X-18, you must cut your films. Oh, we made it for 10 cents, we can put it in theaters uncut and make 20 cents. Fuck you. <laughs> right? Yeah, Maniac was never rated. I I thought Maniac was originally X-rated. No, they knew they wasn't going to get a rating for it. That's how they got uh, Joe Spinell in it. They're like, oh, this movie is not going to be rated. Don't worry about it. (laughs) (laughs) Right? And what's funny is if you look at those unrated films, it's the same exact warning as an R-rated film. Warning. People under 18 cannot come to this movie without accompaniment of guardians. 
All right. Uh, uh. I wonder how, like we were talking earlier though, about how we grew up and how we used to go to the cinema and get to see R-rated movies, even though we clearly were not old enough. Uh, I wonder, especially when we talk about like 42nd street and uh, the heyday of exploitation and, and gore films. Uh, yeah. How, how many, how, how, how much uh, enforcement do you think those theater managers or, you know, ticket takers took to, to make sure that no one underage got in the theaters? I mean, come on. No, you no know. one did because most of the people uh, working the teenager was teenagers like us. Right? <laughs> yeah, 16 to maybe 21, 23. They didn't give a damn. All right. You pay for your <laughs> yeah. They'd even let you jump theaters. They wouldn't care. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's a big that's a big thing that uh, uh like I don't I don't think kids know about this uh nowadays and this is something now you and I as the elders, we should educate uh, young people who might possibly be listening to our podcast. Uh, you know, when one movie ends, when you're walking down the hall, you can duck into another theater and at least see the last half of a second, you know, a second movie for the price of one. Like, Or if you <laughs> time it just right, the start of another movie. Exactly. Yeah. That's see, why we... it was always a bitch for me to see Pulp Fiction in a double feature with another movie because of how long <laughs> it was. Three hours with trailers. <laughs> it was hard to get to stagger, you know, it's hard to stagger it to get going to the next, <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah. if you have movie ads, you can stagger it where your whole day could be planned. Okay, at yep. 1 o'clock, we'll go to this movie. 3, we'll go to this one. 5, this one. 7, but you only, but this you, one. Yeah. But you, you only pay for one. Then you just follow the crowd down the hall and just duck into the next theater. <laughs> yeah, but the movie theater's got your money anyway because... If you if you was gonna stay that whole day, they knew it was like, yeah, we got the snacks, we got the food. You're gonna get hungry, you're gonna get thirsty. We get your money anyway. <laughs> it was like betting against the house or the casino. They got your money. <laughs> <laughs> it yep. wasn't until the '90s I started really seeing them get stricter. After Reagan's after Reagan's America, when that kicked in about eighty, that's when things started getting stricter across the board. Yeah, because if you wanted a porno mag, you would just look for the gas station and they can give a shit and buy the porn. It's usually the same one you bought the cigarettes at or the rolling papers. Right. Yeah. yeah. Usually, if you seen it, walked into a gas station and you seen they had the rolling papers, you know that they were cool, and they wouldn't give a damn as long as you paid them their money. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, 
to like you watch a movie like Dazed and Confused, and you know the fifteen year old kid goes into the store and buys the beer, and they're they're just like, oh, uh, you eighteen? He says, yeah, and then he says, oh, I'm going off to Vietnam or whatever. I, I, yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, I'm going off to college. But, you know, maybe working for some mini city has this money in my pocket. And he's like, well, here's some more money for your pocket. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Or and, him and, selling the smokes and the beer to the pregnant woman, and she goes, "Now you eat a green thing now." <laughs> <laughs> but you know, this is uh, this is how much uh, this is how much the this is every the culture has changed, and I'm sure you have this too like when i was a kid literally like 12 years old i could go to the store and buy beer and cigarettes from my grandfather and bring them back to the house just walk around the corner grab a six pack and some cigarettes walk back home like they didn't there was no regulation i mean the the laws were still in place but but no one bothered to enforce them Exactly. No one, no one gave a shit. They were just like, yep, that, you know, you'd put a six pack and a pack of cigarettes on the, on the thing there. And, uh, you know, on the, and, and they'd say, oh, is this for you? No, it's from my grandfather. Okay. <laughs> Have you a know? nice day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have a good day. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Crazy, man. Like, yeah, yeah, you could and not get away with, with that. The movie theaters too. Yeah, exactly. We would just go in there and say, "Oh, you know, well, you know, you know, one for Death Wish." <laughs> yeah, one for Death Wish too. Now that one, I don't see the unrated version of that is one of the nastiest films you'll ever see. Even the R-rated version of that one is one of the sleaziest action films you'll ever, ever see. <laughs> right? It's yeah. like, how grimy I, can we make this? Yeah, well, again, it goes back to what I was saying about, like, uh, George C. Scott in Hardcore. It's like, I, I feel like I feel like the Death Wish series and Hardcore are kind of married to one another in, in the, you know, that same, uh, I guess just that 42nd street sleaze kind of yeah way, you know, and, and, and I feel uh, like, those, uh, those adults in the suburbs who were afraid to go to the deuce, they could go to the deuce without worrying about getting mugged or any of that, you know. Right. Yeah. And I just feel like that sleaze factor, uh, the, the, those, the death, yeah, the death proof movies definitely have that. Death wish. Just, yeah, yeah, death proof. Yeah. Oh. Uh oh. Well, Uh-oh. it's the time. Yeah. It's the time. It's the time yeah, of the show where I have to that, mention I'm a yeah. big Quentin Tarantino fan. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, Death I Wish. Mean, 
I grew up close yeah. to Knoxville. Tarantino did too. They didn't give a damn in Knoxville. They would play everything, and if it wasn't an adult film, they'd let you go in and see it. Anything but right. adults. Adults, they always have been strict about. We won't, we don't care if you see uh, Stephen Ronquillo get his guts spilled on the floor and stabbed to death 22 times. But if you see mm-hmm. Stephen Ronquillo stooping a girl from behind, that's a no-no. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that, <laughs> well, that, that's kind of like the, you know, uh, there's always been a weird, uh, you know, disparity between that where it's like, oh, well, yeah, we don't care if you see blood and guts, but yeah, you know, boobs, that's, yeah, we're going to have to knock that up. We're going to have to knock that up a rating. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's like when I was a kid, all of uh, my friends, this is the year Bolero come out. They're like, oh, I'm going to see Bolero. I'm like, why? It's Bo Derek. Yeah, but it's going to have nudity and sex in it. <laughs> and guess what I seen in the theater next door instead of Bolero? I can't guess. Sheena, queen of the jungle. Guess who seen oh. more bear pussy shots that day? <laughs> 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 and if you watch Gina, yes, that movie was PG, and there's more bear pussy shots in that, and then the most R-rated film. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, that is a crazy movie. You've seen it, haven't you? The one with uh, Tanya Roberts. Oh yeah, yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. Of yeah, course. same with Beastmaster too. Any PG movie with Tanya Roberts in it, I can remember Don Coscarelli talking about fighting with Tanya Roberts over that. Damn it! Put on some underwear. This was supposed to be a PG movie, but women didn't wear underwear back in this time. We're not back in this time. We're making a movie. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, and uh, every time a wind blew up, woo! Well, Jaws had one too, and it was PG. Right? Well, you know, you think about movies, uh, I mean, the rating system has changed so dramatically. You think about, uh, like, what, Fast Times at Ridgemont High was rated PG, right? And there's... No, it was rated R. Was it? Yeah, soft huh. It was a very outside. If you had to cut out the one scene with PBK uh, movies, I think they yeah. could have got it in as a PG. Right, but yeah, they show the Phoebe Kate's boobs. Yeah, yeah, that's the only reason why people like I love that movie back in. No, you love Phoebe Kate's boobs. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Hey. No, uh, no judgment. There were more teen movies that were a hell of a lot better than it. When it comes to the teen movies, I love stuff like The Party Animal. That one is great. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And we had our own genre back then, the teen sex comedies. Yeah. 
all with right, all guys. the nudity and sex and beer. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. It's our senior year. We all have to get laid before graduation. Pinky swear. Yeah. <laughs> and it's the fat guy that usually gets laid first because he usually has the money to buy it. Oh, God. The last American virgin. That ending. I can't think of a guy who watched it back then who didn't get his guts ripped out by that ending. Right. <laughs> yeah. Now, and I've seen let, it on let, TV in a different version, Nate. Remember how in the theatrical cut it goes, give me the night. When this channel I've seen it on, I forget which, they didn't have the music rights to the movie. So, Give mm. Me the Night was cut out of the end credit scene. So that whole credits was just played over him crying. Oh, God. <laughs> so you can just imagine how much more devastating that was. You didn't get no music. You just got... <laughs> and he's driving away. Just... I actually, I actually kind of, I actually kind of like that. I think, uh, <laughs> I think, I think the next time I watch it, I'm going to just loop that. I'm, I'll put it on one of my samplers. Just yeah. loop the crying sound. I'll, I'll loop the the crying sound, turn the volume down on my TV and be like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a lot of them were Animal House ripoffs. We had Porky's, uh, Fraternity Vacation. There was so much that the late Mike McBeardo McFadden wrote like a 200-page book on teen movies, the worst to the best. Yeah. Yeah, there I mean it it I mean it's obviously a a trope that still sells because they, you know, they they made all those American Pie movies and I don't know. Uh, road, those trip movies, road trip, European trip, college trip. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, you know, they did all like the uh I I guess I guess it's a generational thing, but you know, they did the whole like uh uh high school musical movies and stuff. Like, you know, it's though all that stuff is it it's it's kind of the same, I guess. I, I don't know. I don't. I haven't watched any of those movies, but you know, a lot of the new yeah, teens. Yeah, it was for the teens. That they're trying to keep the teens innocent nowadays. Back then, they didn't give a darn. They knew that we was gonna do nasty shit when they gone. Yeah, I think. I think what like we're talking about, like the '80s teen movies that we saw. Um, Everything. I, I mean, they went from like the Cameron Crowe romance movies all the way up to like, uh, you know, uh, what was the Christian Slater one where he was the pirate radio? Oh, uh, kick up the pump up the volume. That one was good. Pump up the volume. Yeah, yeah, it's a good movie. I'm but, all you know that. I'm in- and I love the fact that they ended up, the movie ended with him getting arrested. 
Even though Pump Up the yeah. Volume was a ripoff of a movie that they played to death on Night Flight back in the early 80s called On the Air with Captain Midnight. Right. I, I, uh, and yeah, I always going thought, deep. <laughs> yeah. But you know, that's how it was when we were, when we were younger, it was like they went from one extreme to the other when it came to teen, uh, you know, teen, teen films. Yeah. Uh, now, now it seems like they kind of just have that one, like you just said, you know, they kind of just have that one volume, you know, it's like that one line where they're like, yeah, you know, this is how teenagers act nowadays, but we had the extremes, you know, I mean, even yeah. a, a perfect, like I said, with the Cameron Crowe films, like uh, just one movie in particular, The Breakfast Club, you can see how they, that you know, was he was John trying Hughes to film and he ruined the teen comedy in the 80s. If you are a oh, John Hughes right. fan, then go fuck yourself. Even Kevin Smith can go fuck himself for liking John Hughes movies. Yeah, Kevin Smith loves John Hughes. Uh, yeah, I I said I said Cameron Crowe, but yeah, you're right, John Hughes. Yeah. Um, Cameron Crowe did I, uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, The Wild Life, yeah. and then Say Everything. Yeah, say anything. Anything, and that one had See, that I iconic co- moment I, of them holding up the jam box. I can correct you too. this is why this this is why this show needs two people because neither one of us knows everything but we both know something Something. yeah (laughs) but yeah you were right it went from uh uh the hard r-rated uh fast times at ridgemont high to say anything which is pg-13 and we'll, yeah. get, we'll get into that a little bit later but yeah the teen comedies pretty much went to video after maybe 83 84 and that's when the studios started taking back the theaters it will be like if you want our mega tom cruise bot buster you gotta play this crappy b movie that we have or else we won't let you play our A movie blockbusters. And then the, and the yeah. independent stuff that we love was basically knocked out of the box. Yeah. It, it And it's weird now, you know, because we think, you know, we obviously, this is why we talk about this every week. And it's, but it's weird to think how so many movies that, that, our listeners love and that friends of ours love and people that we know, uh, you know, w- were just like a throwaway back in the, you know, in that, in that era, they just like a throwaway, like, yeah, we'll play your movie for one week and then it's gone. You know, it, it was, it, but like you said, so they lead in with a, what they considered a trash movie to open up for what they were hoping was going to be a blockbuster. Well, it was back when you started seeing the names rise, what I'm talking about. You had 
Tom Cruise, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Stallone, you know, Eddie Murphy, where the the stars' names were bigger than the movie's title. Right. Well, but like I said, though, you know, like uh, just yesterday, Abby and I watched Predator for the first time in probably 20 years. Uh, You know, I mean, I don't know, however old Predator is. I haven't watched it in a long time, but, you know, that's that's a trashy exploitation film. But you're right. I, you know, I see where you're coming from. Yeah, you're right. That movie was only a success because Arnold Schwarzenegger was in it, really. I mean... And plus, when the word got out of how cool the monster was, that was one thing I loved about it. They were not... This was before they got started getting afraid. They didn't show every cool clip in the trailer. They let you know that something fucked up was going to happen, but you got to pay your money to see what. (laughs) Yeah, that that's an interesting thing too. Uh, I I thought about that as well because uh, I don't believe Abby had ever seen Predator before, but like I said, we watched it a couple of days ago or yes, just yesterday, actually. And, um, you know, the big reveal in predator is when he takes his mask off and you actually get to see the Stan Winston special effects, you know, and yeah. see the, the jaws and everything. And, and yeah, they, you're right. They don't, they didn't show any crap like that in the trailer. That was, uh, well, the predator's the, existence really doesn't even show into the movie till after the big first action scene where they raid the camp. Yeah, no. It, yeah. yeah it's then Bill true. Duke's no. character kills the scorpion. Then all of a sudden you see these weird colors and this big monster like hand come in the screen. Like what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, I, it, it's it, it's you know it's strange thing that Predator is you know it, it's a it's a great movie and it's fun and it's it's such a ingrained part of the culture of film fans like us you know who like horror and sci-fi and stuff uh, but I think it's so strange because like. I had to explain to Abby because like I said, she hasn't, I don't think she had ever seen the original movie before, but she definitely hasn't seen any of the other films and trying to explain that whole, Oh no, these, these alien creatures just travel from planet to planet and hunt other beings just for sport, you know, like, uh, that's not really explored in the first Predator movie. No, if you really want all of that history, you got to find the tie-in novel to Predator 2 where they go into all of that. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely not explored in the first movie at all. When you get to Alien versus Predator... uh, that's as when they started as... thinking, after they started thinking we're stupid, and they had to over-explain everything. Right. <laughs> yeah. But no, it, it, like I said, it, it's it's not 
obviously as a fan of the series, you know, I got the whole storyline, but like I said, it, yeah. it's interesting. It's, it's interesting to watch the, you know, like I said, watch the movie with someone who's never seen it before and be like, yeah, well, the, you know, the storyline is these creatures travel around the universe and, you know, hunt other species for sport. But it, if you watch it in that mindset, it's like, you know, like you, like you've never seen it before. It doesn't read there's it. It doesn't read. No, there's there. No, it just seems like a weird alien. Yeah. It seems like a, just a weird alien invasion movie. Yeah. Well, to speak of uh, what you say in St. Honor says, let's uh, talk real quick about Return of the Living Dead, the first one, which was a very dark, nasty, punk rock comedy with lots of gore and zombies to Return of the Living Dead 2, which was a kiddie movie. I agree 100%. Return of the Living Dead is one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, I love every minute of it. I think it's brilliant. I feel like Return of the Living Dead 2 is a remake of the original movie, but for kids. Yeah. And the kids were the ones who loved the first movie. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but I've never understood how certain franchises you that went from the early '80s and the extreme tonal shifts. Uh, it's when they started like, oh, this movie did a lot of money. Well, let's take away everything pretty about it. Why? So we can make more money. It isn't like yeah. they do, It isn't like they give a damn about the fans that was guaranteed to give it money, the pre-sold commodity. They wanted all of the people who hated the first film. Yeah, it's it's weird. Like uh, a Friday the third, no, not Friday the Thursday, uh Nightmare on Elm Street is a perfect example of how the how the the you know the series evolved from one the first before. one yeah yeah it, it, like i think uh i was i was talking to somebody yesterday about part 4 that yeah where they they just kind of not that it hadn't happened in some of the earlier sequels, but part four was the one where they really just went off the rails MTV with the comedy. Friday. Yeah. Just, just comedy. Like they, there wasn't a lot of horror in part four. It was. And like, it was uh, what I was talking about. The Dion, the bright eighties colors, the bright eighties hairdos. Everyone was so well washed and quaffed. Even yes. Freddy's uh, boiler room had nice, warm, neon colors in it. And it wasn't that dark, nasty, drippy, rusty, if you touch anything in there, you're going to get tetanus. Look, from <laughs> one, two, and three. 
<laughs> right? But yeah. then Ford's so, the biggest money maker of the series, so. Yeah. Well, I didn't make any money off it, so I don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, yeah. No, the original Friday the 13th is really the only one I like. I don't I don't care about any of the rest of those. It's my cheeseburger franchise. Yeah, well, I feel the same way about uh, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street. Like, yeah, I, I'll watch the movies, you know, but I don't care, you know. It's, I mean, it's one yeah. of those, I love the movies, but if they never make another one, I won't be hurt. Exactly, you know. We, <laughs> a lot of horror fans huh. consider that blasphemy. Because if you go to a horror board and you don't see one post, why don't they make another Halloween? Why the, oh, they are, and it's coming out this year. Ha <laughs> ha. Why don't they make another one of this franchise? But making it just like they did in the 80s without any growth or different input from the directors. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this kind of leads into what we were uh, – talking about tonight is what we plan to talk about tonight is uh, a lot of these movie franchises that we fell in love with when we were younger have not only gone on to uh, multiple sequels, but also remakes and reboots. And uh, we, you know, we've been talking about how the reason we fell in love with a lot of movies was the grime and the grit and now yeah uh now, now everything seems to have like a sheen to it that we are we're we're not accustomed to but we're uh, you know we're acclimated we're accustomed to. to but we've seen it you know like uh the terminator heck in the first terminator you didn't even know 200 percent that he was a robot until maybe the last 20 minutes of the movie. Right. But now I the mean, new Terminator... Real, you can't really go back as a young one and watch the first Terminator mm-hmm. for the first time and not know that he's not a, a robot. Because I don't know about you, the first time when they showed him, he's like, yeah, they blew him up. You're dead, motherfucker. What? You know, just the sheer shock of it. Oh, it's one hour. He's gone comfortably numb on us again. (laughs) But, yeah. Are you there, Nate? Oh, there he is. But, um... I'm back. But, yeah, you can't go back and have the same shock that we had when Jason's mother came out in there. And Jason came out of the water. Or, like I said, when the Terminator first shows up or the Predator first shows up. Yeah. 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 Uh, but but we were, we were kind of talking about the way that uh, – that I guess I guess what 
what we were talking about really was like how quote unquote eighties horror or eighties sci-fi. 80s exploitation. I count like uh, the action films yeah. and everything. Sci-fi was pretty much dead in the eighties after Star Wars quit. It was like there's no Star Wars. We shouldn't do sci-fi. After Blade Runner, The Thing, and Starman flop, they're like, we either want another E.T. or another Star Wars, or we don't want sci-fi. But we, you and I were talking more about like how 80s horror, sci-fi, and exploitation uh moved forward into this new generation where things got a like a lot more like technical and uh like oh the neon colors i mean we're talking about uh yeah like like we're we're talking about stuff like uh oh Miami Nicholas Vice. Winding like Nicholas Winding ref Weapons <laughs> oh drive I yeah drive we were yeah, talking about I stuff seen, like that. Like, yeah, when I seen Drive in the theater, I had to look at my phone to make sure that I wasn't back in the 1980s. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, but Drive that, was that late was what, 80s, not the early. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, and like, yeah. So that was what we that was what we originally planned to talk about tonight. So let's talk about some of that. Well, we're stuff. talking like, about that, what, but yeah, I mean, we can go into look at the first Terminator, how gritty and low budget and just pace, boom, 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 fast paced, in your yeah. face. You know, people really got hurt. And now go over the nineties, a little bit past the eighties, to Terminator Two. Everything's nice and bright, sunshiny, beautiful rain-covered streets. Even when Sarah Connor gets shot, she don't sell the wound. Yeah, Terminator 2 is very glossy. I, that was definitely... Well, what, did Terminator 2 come out before or after Aliens? Sure. Terminator 2 was after yeah yeah that so those were the two two films that definitely got james cameron you know the status that he has now yeah uh, yeah he went from he made two... terror and get, letting women get raped by worms to aliens <laughs> yep right uh did he did did James Cameron direct the first Piranha movie? The second. He directed jo- the second one, uh, Piranha Two: The Spawning. Oh, I thought I thought so. No, Joe Dante, Joe Dante direct- did the first one. Yeah, Joe Dante did the first one. Uh, yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I Man, mean, I love, well, we I can love even it. go to Joe Dante. Look at Gremlins. It was pretty much a horror film with masks. And you love the <laughs> monsters. And then you got Gremlins too, with plastic, fake-looking Gremlins. No horror elements. And it was all, oh, ho, 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 
throughout the whole movie. Oh, man, we're going to have to uh, agree to disagree, disagree on this one, yeah. man. Come on. Come on. Gremlins 2 is a fun movie. It it, it is it does have a very different tone from the original Gremlins. I'll give you that. Yeah, but it's that's a fun where I'm movie. going at. I'm not trashing the movie. I'm just talking about the complete tonal shift from... The first yeah. one, where the you know, which was a monster movie, to the second one. Yeah. All right. I'll give I'll give you that, and it it is the theme of our show tonight to talk yeah. about uh, how 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 uh, movie. Uh, and is, yeah, here's how, one thing I've never yeah. understood: as much beloved as Gremlins Two is, I don't understand how that movie flopped so badly at the box office. Yeah, I don't. I, I've seen it on the big screen. Yeah, it's really fun on the big screen for sure. Yeah, yeah, but I don't know. Uh, I don't. I don't <sighs> think that as, as much as as much as people uh, exalt the original Gremlins, I don't think it's as big a hit as people like you and I think it is. You know, uh, no, uh, Gremlins was a pretty big hit. Three biggest hits. Yeah, it was at its time. That's what I'm saying. But Gremlins too just fell flat. No one went to see it, and I don't know why. There's no excuse for it. As much people talk about, oh, I loved it. I loved it. For some reason, no one went to see it in the theaters, but once it hit the video store, everyone's seen it. Yeah. I I do not own a copy of Gremlins, but I own a copy of Kremlins 2. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's weird how everything really changed in the 80s. Now we get into the PG-13. Because they were complaining because, well, like I said, Sheena in other movies that were PGs, they were pretty much soft R's. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the the whole PG-13, I, I don't know, the rating system kind of boggles my mind. Um, I don't well, really remember understand. Well, you remember like five times already, six times we had... Uh, the first was G, G, P, M, R, and X. Then we went from G, P, G, got rid of the M, R, and X. And then they got rid of the X, and it was G, P, G, R, N, C, 17. Oh, and I forgot, yeah. P, G, 13. What's what? funny what? is, is, if uh, Troma would have released uh, something like uh, Gremlins or Poltergeist, they would have just gotten an R. Steven Spielberg releases Gremlins and Poltergeist. He gets a new rating. <laughs> the big yeah. three that well, changed the ratings were uh, Temple of Doom, yep. Poltergeist, 
and Gremlins. Why did Polter? Well, okay. All right. Now, now we need to talk about this because why did Poltergeist change the? Why did Poltergeist change? It was the, a PG movie with someone ripping his face off. Remember, it has that scene where the guy rips his face off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He shaves his face off. Okay. Yeah. All right. No, he all right. Well, yeah. His hands. I mean, it's a brutal yeah. little film, and it's good. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, obviously, I've seen it dozens of times. I just, I was wondering, but yeah, okay. So, but, so they, they specifically created a rating for that just because of yeah. that scene. But yeah, because oh, of right. those three movies, the parents were complaining. If you look, get can get a theatrical poster, a later one for those three. It says, warning, may contain violence that scares younger children. Yeah. Okay. So, oh, these all three of these were Steven Spielberg films. Yeah. Oh, I gotcha. Now, yeah, because I knew about uh, uh, Temple of Doom. Uh, yeah, I missed it when you started that when you started at the top saying these were all Steven Spielberg films because yeah. you know I'm high like always. <laughs> yeah, but in all seriousness, after that we got the PG-13 and yeah, they they cre- like they cre- they created the PG-13 uh rating just because of Spielberg movies, right? Like this right. Yeah, and if you watch like, the early PG-13 movies, they carry the spirit of them. They were movies that normally would have gotten an R rating, but they just had to cut a little bit of this, a little tiny bit of that, and they're PG-13. <laughs> like yeah, well, uh, there's Dreamscape. A... Oh, Dreamscape. All right. Yeah. They had to cut maybe 15 or 20 seconds out of it. Uh, you remember the part where the guys uh, said all the women come out from under his bed? I mean, yep. all the guys coming out from over his wife's bed. Yeah, it was. They made him cut out three seconds of other men coming out. Too long. You won't get a PG-13. <laughs> okay. Okay, you can show the snake's head fall off, but if it falls for more than five seconds, you won't get a PG-13. You're fucking kidding me. (laughs) Oh, you know that scene where they're having the dream sex on the train? Yeah, we think you might be able to see the boob right there, so you got to cut that scene now down or we get a PG-13. What? (laughs) Yeah, uh, you know... uh... Well, of course, there's the there's the famous story of Martin Scorsese uh, when he first uh, submitted his cut of Taxi Driver, uh, and they wanted to give it an X rating because of the gore, the blood and the gore. And then he said, "All right, I'll go back and edit it." And he didn't edit anything out of it. He just uh, altered the color of the blood so that it was more orange than red and yeah yeah 
and he got the R rating. Um, and same it looks thing with more Robert. violent with that orange color than it did probably with the red. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It's like, oh my gosh, you just smashed a V8 out of <laughs> out of yeah. someone's head. <laughs> uh, but Robert but, Rodriguez has a uh, Robert yeah. Rodriguez has a similar story to that of uh, when he was doing Planet Terror. Um, that's why. I mean, obviously, the whole Grindhouse thing, uh, the Quentin Tarantino, Robert Rodriguez uh, thing, Grindhouse was supposed to emulate the uh, that that era, but when Robert Rodriguez put his version in for uh, Planet Terror, they they said that some of the uh, some of the violence was too intense i guess so yeah. he you he used the uh he used the you know the effects to just cut something really quick so that yeah someone could still get smashed in the head but you know it, well, do it you would remember it would be so yeah do you remember henry yep. henry portrait of a serial killer of course I remember it. I love it. I've got it on VHS and DVD. That movie got an X rating on tone. Yeah, the yeah the the VHS <laughs> copy of it that I have is X rated. <laughs> on tone. How the hell tone. do you cut out tone? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you know the thing about it is like you cut violence or blood in a movie, but it would still get an NC seventeen because the tone is so disturbing. Yeah, that's the thing. Like the for me, really as an aficionado, the only part of of Henry that's really disturbing to me is the first three minutes when they show all the dead bodies. After that, I will agree that the movie is disturbing due to its tone. But as far as like blood and guts and all that stuff, that only happens in the first three minutes of the movie. And it's not violent uh, you know, attacks on women. It's just the dead bodies. Of well, women, they play you know? the audio in the first three minutes of all the violence, and you just hear this horrible violence. Exactly, exactly. I, like I said, I'm not. I'm not saying I'm comfortable with it. I'm just saying that, you know, the rest of the movie is disturbing just based on tone. I don't know if you can censor tone, but yes, <laughs> I, you know. Yeah. The the tone of the movie is very disturbing. Yeah. The last movie horror film of the eighties to go out unrated to wrap that bow up was the Texas Chainsaw Massacre two. Hmm. And that was enough yeah, that one went out unrated. It's never been cut. Now see, I feel like Texas Chainsaw Massacre two is very similar to Gremlins 2. It seems like it's a parody of the first film. And, no, and it's both, a parody of oh, the 80s. 
Yeah, well, yes. Both yeah. films are very 80s, but I'm just saying I feel like both of the directors took their took their sequels and 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 made it a parody intentionally. But they didn't let the cannibal family not be scary. Because when Chop Top, as much as we love him, shows up in that first scene, he's scary as hell. Oh, yeah, that, oh, man, there's nothing, I don't think I will ever forget Nomad, I mean, obviously, I've seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre, too, multiple times, but, oh, my gosh, that scene where he's in the, in the radio station, and he's scraping his head with the fucking... Uh, coat hanger with the coat hanger and eating it oh my god come on man yeah but yeah and another sad thing is that's another one that flopped at the box office i don't know why i know a lot of people were pissed off that it did have that satire element which brings to another fact about 80s fans. They don't like change, period. Texas Chainsaw Massacre no. was a good Texas Chainsaw Massacre sequel. But it had funny stuff in it. This was the way it was back then. I hate that shit. Like, people don't want to admit this back then, but Evil Dead 1 was beloved. Pretty good hit at the box. Pretty decent hit at the box office. Video store staple. And everybody was waiting for Evil Dead 2 to come out. What the fuck is this? This is a comedy. I don't like this shit. Yeah, well, you know, like, uh, when it comes to, when it comes to both of those films, you got to consider that we're talking about Evil Dead drive-in film, Texas Chainsaw Massacre drive-in film. But by the time that the sequels came out, we were, we were fully ensconced in the uh, home video market, you know? So there was a, there was a whole different, that was a whole different lifestyle. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what well, I'm saying? It got to the point where like, Oh, you ain't going to show the films we want to see in the theaters? Well, we'll just go rent them. Exactly. Exactly. You know? Oh, and Evil Dead 2 went out unrated, too. I don't see why Evil Dead 2 got an X rating. There's really no blood in it. They changed it into black. All sorts of cartoonish colors. Right. Yeah. It was like, well, like I was saying about Taxi Driver, uh, you know, making the blood look more saturated. Uh, they they did the exact opposite with Evil Dead too. They tried to make the blood look less bloody. Yeah. Yeah. I mm. I I don't like it, but that I have my reasons. But I didn't not like it because of that comedy. I enjoyed comedic elements. Because by then, I'd read a lot of interviews with Sam Raimi. He was a comic director first who happened to make a horror film to get into the business. Yeah, what what was that? 
Oh, what was the comedy film that he made with the Coen brothers? Uh, oh, Crime Wave. Hmm. Crime Wave, yeah. And I, I mean, love it was that goofy. One. Yeah. Yeah, it was goofy, but it was a good, yeah, it had a very, like, uh, I don't know, uh, the Marx Brothers uh, yeah. married the, you know, like, <laughs> Marx Brothers well, married the Three Stooges kind of feel. wanted to do, which was make uh, Bruce Campbell the lead instead of that goofy guy who's in it, who doesn't have any comic timing at all. Right. It probably would have been a better movie, but yeah, I mean, when Evil Dead 2 came out, people in the ADs hated it. But then when it came back out on VHS in the 90s and the OOs on DVD, it started getting reassessed. How shocking is that? (laughs) And then that obviously led to, uh, you know, the new, the new show based uh, based on it. Uh, yeah. What is it? What's, well, that was uh, uh, from uh, we got uh, Army of Darkness, which I just don't like. Period. Uh, really? Wait, I, wait, 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 wait. You do not like Army of the Dud. <laughs> Army of the Dud. Dark. Yeah, Army of the <laughs> Dud. That's, that's a great title that's for a... it. <laughs> you don't like it at all? There's nothing about it that you like? I like, like it, but there's so many different cuts that it's just one of those films that Universal... I don't blame Sam Raimi or Bruce. It's Universal that really shit the bed with it. Okay, but what I think is really cool about it is the uh the the special effects. Those, those like Ray it's not Ray Harryhausen, but it's very Ray Harry Ray Harryhausen esque. Yeah. Like the the marching army of soldiers and stuff like that. That's cool shit. Like you gotta yeah. you gotta give you know But the, the problem special is, effects is they are, lose ass as a coward. Once Ash becomes a hero, it becomes just another movie. Yeah, he was, yeah, he was, his character was always supposed to be like, oh, I can't do this. And then just at like, just, uh, yeah, a bragger, he's a like, goofball and a dumbass. <laughs> he, yeah. Yeah. He's like Kramer from Seinfeld. Like he's just supposed to fall ass backwards into every like success that he has uh yeah there's a great scene in the comic they didn't put in the movie it was right before the deadites hit and they're like they're coming where's our savior and then they look around and they finally find him hiding in the bloom closet going mommy help me mommy help me <laughs> you know, that's what they needed. More of that and less of him as the you know, the hero. Yeah. Yeah. The 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 end of Army of Darkness where he's in the supermarket and he's all like, you know, yeah, 
kills the witch yeah. and then give me some sugar, baby. Yeah, that that didn't really fit with his character, but it was still fun. Yeah, I, mean, I like the movie's yeah. ending. I like the original ending where he accidentally takes too much of the potion and ends up in the future. Yeah, with, with where it's a nuclear apocalypse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that's 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 my fa- that's my favorite ending too. I love that one. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's another one with an extreme tonal shift because I don't know if it was because of the eighties or just because. That was Sam Raimi's thing, but still, you've seen that a lot in the 80s where you go back to one and then you see it's a different kind of movie, differently paced, and then you go to the next one and you're like, what the hell? It's like the difference between Rocky Three and Rocky Four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, one, That's two, another, three, uh... and then four. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's this is another funny thing, man. Like we haven't even talked much this week, but this is another funny thing that's just uh uh you know, we're just matching up on thinking about, man. I've been watching some Rocky movies this week and holy shit, some yeah. No. The 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 transition between the Rocky movies is just well, let me just say Rocky at best. Yeah, four is good, but it's definitely one of the biggest Reagan's America movies there is. And yes, if you were an action fan in the 80s, you had to deal with that come the late 80s. And I will say this, the Republicans uh, make the best action movies. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt, man. There's no doubt. Uh, Yeah. Uh, all of those. That, I mean, there's so many great '80s movies. Uh, that uh, Red Dawn. I mean, come on, yeah. man. We can. Oh, we can I love do this Red all, Dawn. We can do this all day when we're talking about '80s action movies with uh, yeah. Republicans who are clearly wish, in charge. Yeah, I wish they would have kept the ending that Ron O'Neill. Said, had, said they had, which was going to be uh, after Patrick Swayze shoots uh, Ron O'Neill's character, and he's supposed to sit down on the bench, and Ron O'Neill uh, sits next to him and, ha- and shows him the picture of his family, and then he says, you want something to drink? And uh, Patrick Swayze pulls out his flash, he says, it's vodka. He's like, no. Do you have any American whiskey? Because we don't know how to make booze as good in the Russia. And then they started laughing and then just die together. <laughs> <laughs> I I wonder if that I I wonder if that uh, ending was was inspired by the end of John Carpenter's The Thing. You know. Yeah. To to like two two friends quote unquote friends but you know who were at odds with one another are suddenly you know well this is how you know this is how it ends mm-hmm. so let's just 
let's just but, get yeah, along, you know. That's why you did, we didn't complain as much when the transition happened because the transition was smooth for us. Okay, the drive-in's gone. What are we going to do? The video store. Hey, we just got in this movie called I Cush, Crush Your Head with a Pair of Pliers. Okay, we're all right. We're all right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, uh, what do I got? Uh, but, I, yeah, I, I, I hate your, the, I, I, I hate your guts. Yeah, I hate oh. your guts. And what, what's the other one? That's on a double feature. I, I hate your guts. I uh I eat your corpse or something. Yeah, something there's like one that, that calls yeah. I hate I piss on your grave. There was one yeah, yeah one I, that actually called I piss on your grave. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean really that's really what started the extreme movement of the nineties. There is that the crazy kids like us who grew up on stuff like Street Trash, uh, Reanimator, the extreme gore films of the 80s, we got video cameras. <laughs> yeah, nobody wants to see my videos from the 80s, but if you want to, please go to www. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, it started, well, the gray market scene really started, we've talked before, from uh, the tape trading scene, and that would be like for, in the 90s, the skate trade videos. People would, like, videotape themselves skateboarding and stuff, and then trade it with other people. Yeah, and I did a bunch of that, actually, um, in the early 90s i was a sponsored amateur skateboarder so i have a bunch of videos of that stuff if anybody wants to see it go to www (laughs) yeah but yeah it's true that in the late 80s we didn't go to the theaters anymore for our sleeve i mean we go there to watch the latest hollywood action film but for something gritty we go to the video store yeah for sure and i i actually in the uh oh excuse me Mm. i had pizza for dinner and now it's coming back oh garlic oh come on Oh. (laughs) oh boy um so yeah, I worked at a video store uh in the early 90s and uh yeah, there was one whole section in the back of the store that was just really cool old big box VHS stuff that nobody else really had any interest in and uh I wish I had still had my hands on some of those videos. Yeah, cool it's stuff. because those if you wanted to read about those films, we had to work at it. We talked about the magazines before, but yeah, if you really wanted the info of which ones to watch and which ones to run away scared from, you had to work and find someone with the magazines or someone that knew what the hell they were talking about. 
Yeah, and that that was the really cool thing. Like, uh, you know, we've talked about, I think we've talked about this before, but, uh, you know, I wrote reviews for Psychotronic Magazine. Um, you know, our friend John Harrison, who worked for Something Weird Video. Yeah. Like, that stuff was that stuff was so cool back then, man. I, I, I wish there was something more like that again. Obviously we still have the blog, uh, over at our massive and that's fun. But I mean, I, I wish, I, I wish there was still like a physical magazine that we could put out once a month or something. I mean, not yeah. that we can't, but not that we and can't. That, but yeah. And that's when we look at the ending of the wild bunch, especially the last line. It ain't what it was, but it will be what it's going to be. Right. And we were even looking that way at 1990 because most people never really talk about this, but horror was pretty much dead on the big screen during the early 90s. Yeah, I think, uh, what? Was Scream like the big movie that really came out in the early 90s for horror movies? Yeah, yeah that was about 90, I think 94, 95. But yeah, nothing was going every, well, you had stuff like Misery and the Silence of the Lamb, But they made damn sure to tell you, oh, this isn't a horror film. This is a suspense thriller. Yeah, Misery and uh, Misery and Silence of the Lambs, uh, they were both great films, but they were definitely not marketed as a horror film. They were they were marketed as prestige pictures, uh, and obviously it worked because Silence of the Lambs won all five Academy Awards. So, you know, and its prequel, which shows another big tonal shift, Manhunter. Should have won some Academy Awards. Tom Noonan, even back then, those of us who did watch it back then were like, Tom Noonan is great. Uh, what Brian Cox is amazing as Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, Manhunter is an amazing film. I mean, you know, everybody talks about, uh, oh, yeah, you know, the masterpiece is, is Heat. Uh, or even Miami Vice, I guess, but... Uh, I love the Miami Vice, but yeah. Manhunter but was yeah. a... Damn. Yeah, it it was his first film, right? But Well, not his yeah. first film. His first film was a TV movie called L.A. Takedown, which he remade Into Heat. Into Heat, yeah. Yep. Yeah, and Thief yeah. too, but still, Manhunter was the first film with Hannibal Lecter in it, and yeah. unlike Silence of the Lambs, he was actually like Hannibal Lecter was in the book. That's really why I didn't like uh, Anthony Hopkins in Silence of the Lambs. How can you go to this? Over the top southern accented bogeyman who's going <laughs> from Brian Cox and Manhunter. 
Yeah. It's like, I this get, guy's I get, too over know, the top. <laughs> I never really thought about it because I'm not from the South, so that's all up to you <sighs> to decide. Yeah, that's, you know, just... Uh, <laughs> I mean, it was one of those we had to wait 10 years for even the book sequel to Red Dragon. And the book, Silence of the Lambs, is good. But the movie is overrated, people. Yeah, uh, I agree with that. Um, I don't think that Silence of the Lambs is a horrible movie, but uh, yeah, like I said, it won like all five Academy Awards that year. But I can also say that I don't really give two shits about Academy Awards. So, I mean. (laughs) Until we win one. Yeah, until we win one. When Steven and I win win an Academy Award. uh, Yeah. Yeah, we'll take that, but. Uh, until yeah, then, I don't give a shit. Yeah, we went from the '80s where exploitation pretty much ruled the theaters, and the the summer blockbusters were there, but they really hadn't taken over and dominated the the theaters like they do nowadays. Nowadays, we have the first of the year blockbusters, the spring blockbusters, the summer blockbusters. The fall blockbusters, the Christmas blockbusters. Yeah, but I I think I think that we do still have a lot of um I I, I don't know what we would call it nowadays. Uh we do still have a lot of underground uh films that are coming out and and still feeding the desire that folks like you and I have for, uh, for cinema. Uh, like for instance, I'm, I'm really intrigued about that new Edgar Wright movie about the Sparks brothers. Uh, I I like it because I like Sparks, but I know for a fact that it's going to be a Sparks documentary done by a hipster director who's really lost his touch and lost his touch to the school and stuff. You and I are going to have to go round and round about this Edgar Wright thing because I still like him, and you always say he's a hipster, but I'm a hipster too, so you and I are going to go round and round, buddy. (laughs) No, you're a dirty hippie. You need to shave and get a haircut. (laughs) Well, all right. Well, I I am going to get a shave tomorrow. The haircut's not happening. I like to keep my hair you know, a little bit longer so I can slick it back because I'm a hipster. (laughs) I mean, it looks good, but it's sad that... That's another thing that I miss in the 80s is that documentaries could be major releases. Yeah. Yeah, well, I I mean, I think that kind of goes along with some of the stuff uh, we were talking about earlier, like uh, go all the way back to John Waters. When he first started doing his short films, he would, uh, you know, do them, you know, he would show them in uh, like church basements and stuff, you know, 
um, I think that that's again just goofing on what we were just talking about. That's not so much a thing anymore, you know. Everyone can can take a video with their phone or take a video, uh, you know, if if you've got a camera. Yeah, everyone but... can make a well good looking movie, but will it be a good movie? Right, and where and where can you actually show it? You know, and then someone will come up to me. But Steve, there's like a million streaming channels who are all showing the same major blockbusters. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Abby and I just signed up for uh, uh, Apple Plus today. And, you know, we already have like nine other streaming services. So we were just like, all right, let's see what what's different on here. Eh, not much. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when, uh, well, 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 it's always like that. You stay at a, lo- a theater, it starts out as an independent, and it shows what sells. And back then, yeah. it was the sleaze, the exploitation, the slasher, the action films. And then the studios started making the sleaze, the exploitation, and the slasher films. And it knocked out the, the independent guys who were willing to take more of a chance to do an original idea or do a knockoff, but do it in their own insane way. Yeah, uh, I'm surprised. I mean, I know we're coming into the home stretch here, but I'm surprised we never talked about Pam Greer tonight. Because uh, she was 70s. She survived into the 80s and still does movies in every decade, but her case yeah, was well, 70s. I, yeah, I, I just thought that would have been a, an interesting uh, arc to to follow oh god those chicken wings man i'm telling you (laughs) oh god oh god (laughs) but yeah yeah, yeah. we will to promote we will be back tomorrow night vicky love is doing vicky love sci-fi little known and obscure science fiction films that were forgotten but were found again and do not doubt that a lot of these 80s films that we talked about were films that were big that weren't that big back in the 80s even during the video store era but once DVD hit they were found again in love yeah for sure and uh a lot of them made their way onto blu-ray as well um but yeah, uh, um, what would you, you say was your you, favorite uh, smaller '80s film that was pretty well known, but not that big of a hit? But really, your favorite that once it got rediscovered, it was like a it became like a mainstream movie type of way because people didn't know its history. 
an 80s film that I don't yeah. think anyone else knew about, but I was really into, yeah, uh, yeah Blue, Blue Sunshine. Was that, was that 80s? Yeah, 1980. Mine will be Highlander. When that movie came out, no one went to see it. Hell, when I went to see it in the theaters, there were three people in the theater, including me and my dad. I have I have that on uh, on uh, DVD and VHS as well, yeah. as I discussed earlier. <laughs> that was one that was discovered after the fact. Yeah. And does that mean right? that there were bad movies? No, it just took them a while to find their freaking audience. Yeah. Same with Evil Dead 2. No one watched Evil Dead 2 when it first came to VHS in the 80s. But now it's like an amazing crowd favorite. And you can't run a retro horror theater or a retro horror festival without showing it at least once during your history. <laughs> yeah. I I just got uh booked on a uh, on a uh horror festival and they're going to show Evil Dead 2 while I'm there. I probably won't be able to see it because I'm not there for filmmaking, but yeah, I might, I might just have to be off doing my stand-up comedy, but yep, they're showing Evil Dead 2. <laughs> and with that, good night, everybody. And we'll see See you Thanks. tomorrow night. We'll see if Mate can do two nights in a row. This is his first Iron Man week, as to say. Yes. Uh, wait, I can do it. I can do it, Stephen. I can do it. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah. And as always, good night, everybody. We're going to miss you. Good night, sweetheart. Rest time to go. Good night, sweetheart. Rest time to go. I hate to leave you, but I really must say, oh, good night, sweetheart. Good night.
Good night, sweetheart. Good night.